Good morning. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, uh, you'll know that we are in a sermon series called The Gift, and we've been looking at the three different gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. Now, for myself, I love to enter into the story of of Christmas or enter into the story of the gospel and try my best to imagine uh, the different characters. And so I asked the question, who were these wise men? Now, we do know a few things. We know that they were wise, because it says that, but the translation is a little bit interesting. It's the word magi. And when you actually do a little bit of digging, you learn that the meaning of magi actually had a little bit more weight to it than just wise men. Originally, the word was often referred to a class of Persian wise men, possibly even priests, that were interpreter of special signs and particularly in in astrology, which makes sense why they were interested in the stars. So eventually, this word came to refer to all of those kinds of people that might actually have supernatural knowledge and ability, and it's this is the likely meaning of some of these people. We also know this, that they came from the East. Now, for myself, my imagination, and it's, there's a high possibility that they, they had to have had access to Hebrew scriptures for them to know to go in this direction. Where would they have gotten these texts? What, what is the backstory there? The chances are high that there's been generation after generation ever since the exile. So during the exile, the kind of leaders of the Israel pe- Israelites, they went to Babylon. And in Babylon, a lot of them, people like Daniel, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they found their way into the courts and into the education system. And their texts, their sacred texts, the Hebrew texts, found its way into the wisdom literature of that day and age and in that place. And there is a high likelihood that these wise men had access to those very texts. So it's kind of interesting to to wonder and think that these, these men likely, from generation from generation, learned this information from people like Daniel. Even in exile, God is at work weaving together people from all sorts of different places. The chances are high that they were, in fact, Gentiles, um, but maybe, maybe they were even uh, ancient Israelites that never came home and actually stayed in Babylon. These are possibilities, and it's just fun for us to allow ourselves to go there and to wonder. And so these scholars, they come. We know, this other th- we know a couple other things about the wise men. We know that God directed them through dreams. Uh, these were men that were open and interested in the creator of the universe. They were willing and interested. They were listening. Um, and then also, we know that they brought the three gifts. Gifts that a toddler would not be interested in. I could imagine just a toddler like grabbing hold of gold and like mom and dad being like, nope, not now, not yet. We're putting this in the savings account. Or in fact, well, you know, we're going to need to spend this over the next couple of years while we're living in a foreign country. Um, but in all likelihood, I don't think Jesus saw these gifts by the time he was an adult. They probably played an important role in his development as a kid. But that's just my own imagination as well. Um, so we have these characters, we have these gifts, 
And then we see in Matthew chapter 2, it says this. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What did they do? They bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. And then they gave these gifts. And now, I'm just going to do a quick recap. Frankincense, in week number one, um, we show that it actually, it represented Jesus as the high priest. And it was also a representative of the people uh, t- uh, that the high priest was a representative for God to the people. He was a bridge. Um, and he would ultimately give his life and the one who would sit at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession uh, for God's people. Jesus as the high priest. And then we also looked at myrrh, uh, which represents Jesus as the suffering servant or the Lamb of God. Now today, I want to look at the gift of gold. You know, throughout history, because of its scarcity and its value, gold has often been the gift fit for a king. Now, I'd like to play a bit of a fun game. Um, I'll give some instructions first, and then I'm going to put some images up on the screen. So if you text people during this service um, or have thought about doing that, this is your moment. Bring out your phones because you're going to want to race your friends and your family. If you're sitting beside someone, I give you permission to talk to them. Not that you need it because you're probably doing it right now. Um, If there are any kids in the room still, these first two ones, you might be interested in trying to guess before your parents. Um, So when you see the image, be the first to guess the answer. It's that easy, all right? So here is the first image. We'll put it up on the screen. All right, text each other. Who is that? All right? I just heard a bading here in the church somewhere. So maybe, maybe Pastor Matt's getting a text message from one of his children. All right. Uh, that is Simba, the Lion King, for those who didn't know. Next up, we have this guy. And for those of you who don't know, um, you'll never know. And so I'll tell you right now, it's King Kong. All right, kids, those might have been a little easier. This one's a little bit more for the adults. Next one up, this guy. All right, and then we have this fine fellow up next. Oh, I forgot to tell you the other two. That was Larry King. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Larry King. And now, oh, you didn't have to go back. That's okay. And then we've got B.B. King. And now, this one might be a little trickier for some, but if you're a Marvel fan, uh, you'll know who this is. That right there, that guy, Kingpin, nemesis of a couple of different Marvel characters. All right. Um, I hope that was fun for you, got you interacting. Uh, Throughout history, 
Kings have often been associated with gold. It's been one of those precious metals that always signifies richness, authority, power, and might that comes with a king. And the wise men brought Jesus gold because they knew him to be a king. And I want to talk to you today about the kingship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a person who is just born on earth, but he is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. And today, we need to talk about him as the king. Now, this might seem strange to you to talk about in an Advent series, but when you reflect on the gift of gold, you have no option but to consider the entire story of Jesus. So now I want to show you in the New Testament, there is the Apostle Paul, and he said to his student Timothy, uh, now this is recorded in 1 Timothy uh, 6.15, and Paul said, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven. By the blessed and almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And now when Paul said this in the Greek language, it was completely impossible for him to state this more powerfully. There was no way for him to say it with more emphasis that Jesus is the supreme authority over all. He is, has authority over all kingdoms of the entire world. The entire cosmos is in the hands of this King Jesus. He is the king like no other. The problem is that the Jews expected their king to be born in a palace, surrounded by wealth and luxury and comfort. In our day and age, this king would have been born, you know, in some special crib place like silk linens and a purple lining, and he'd be wearing some nice little Gucci onesie, and he'd be, you know, sucking on some Prada soother, and it would just be all pristine and perfect. No one expected the king to be born in poverty, to be born in a cave next to farm animals, They didn't expect the Savior, the Messiah, to be the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. Later on in the story, we hear that Nathanael um, asks this question, can anything good, can anything good come from Nazareth? No one predicted that the King of glory, the Son of God, would befriend prostitutes, touch lepers, love the religious, uh, love those who the religious uh, institutions rejected. They never imagined a king who would choose uneducated fishermen to be his partners in in crime. That's not the right way to say it. His partners in goodness. He would go after tax collectors. He would love the rebellious troublemakers. He would bring any and all, and nobody could imagine that the king would do something like that. That a king would forgive a woman caught in the very act of adultery. This kind of king is a king above all kings. And they never imagined that the king of the Jews would ride into Jerusalem one day on a donkey of all creatures. And those who would be cheering for his arrival when he would come in, they would be the ones that were overlooked. They would be the immoral. They would be the uncertain, the confused. They would be all sorts of different people. And then ultimately, no one expected that this king would stand trial for crimes that he did not commit. No no one ever imagined that this innocent king would be beaten, whipped, uh, stripped naked to hang on an instrument of torture known as a cross, dying a death that a a criminal deserved to die. No one could ever have imagined that this king hanging on a cross is actually the creator in the flesh. And yet he's mocked 
spit on, and it's just this place of suffering. And even in that moment, he would look up to heaven and he would cry out that he would ask, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. That even in that very moment, a king not wielding a scepter of authority and power to like beat down his subjects, but would with open arms say, I embrace you, I forgive you, I'm here for you. No one would expect that kind of king to offer forgiveness first. This is beautiful, but it is hard for us to wrap our minds around. No one ever expected for a king to die that shameful death. And then ultimately, no one would expect that in that moment, darkness would fall over the earth, that the earth would shake and and crack open, and that God's presence would be so powerful in that moment. No one would expect that the king would be buried. And ultimately, no one would expect that this king would be raised again from the dead. But this is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. This is our king that we serve. This is the king that the wise men kneeled down and worshipped. What's interesting to me um, is when you look at the story um, in this first century situation, you can see three very distinct responses to, the, to Jesus as king. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, and I think the responses are pretty similar to how we in society or us as individuals respond to Jesus as king. So the first one that I want to mention uh, kind of can be represented by King Herod. And, And if you know his story, Herod opposed Jesus as king. He wanted to guard and protect his kingship. So he issued decrees that all of the boys under the age of two in the town of Bethlehem would be put to death because he heard that there might be the king there. This was a guy who felt threatened and had no interest. He was antagonistic. He was paranoid and he was not okay with another king. He rejected completely the person of Jesus so you're this, he is this person of opposition, this person of distance. And we have to think to ourselves, do I connect with that character? Where I'm at right now in my life? Is that kind of how I think about things? Then there's a second group. And I think this is quite common for us, even maybe more common today in our age. There's like the priestly uh, priestly group of people, the Jewish community, that they didn't just, they didn't quite fully oppose Jesus. They just dismissed him as king. They dismissed him. They blew him off. They weren't really interested. They, they were like, this is too bizarre. We're not interested in this. These are the people that actually knew Old Testament texts and they could see. And then when they looked into scripture and they talked to, say, King Herod, they said, well, according to scripture, he actually could be born in Bethlehem. These are people that had some insider information, and yet, despite that, they just weren't interested. And the same kind of thing happens today in our time. Hey, do you want to come to church with me and experience the presence of God? Ah, no, I'm okay. Hey, would you like like to hear more about this, like, powerful, beautiful story? No, I think I'm good. Uh, Hey, do you want to come over and we can talk a little bit more about that? No, I think I'm going to stay home, watch Home Alone 2, and one. And the Jewish people, 
That was common for them and it's common for us today. They just dismissed Jesus as king. They, they saw him as, this is a nice story and we're just gonna keep him small. We're gonna keep him safe. We're gonna keep him in the manger. We're not going to acknowledge what the wise men acknowledged. And that brings us to our third. The wise men, they bowed down and they worshiped Jesus as king. It's the ultimate response to show reverence and awe and honor to the God of heaven who became uh, Jesus in this person. It's a beautiful story. And it's so hard for us sometimes to be willing to kneel down and give God the worship and the praise that he is due. For them to fall down and say, you are my king, you are the king of the universe. They bowed down and they worshiped him. And you might think he was just a baby, you know, and and his mom and his dad, they didn't have anything fancy. Like, why would these three wise men come into this small home, this modest environment, and feel compelled to kneel down? It's not like there was a, a king sitting there on a throne being like, hey, you need to do this. They just knew that this child was worthy of their worship. And I think that's so true for us today. God doesn't show up in our environment with so much power and authority that we're shaking in our boots and we just fall down and kneel. He comes quietly. He comes softly and gives us the opportunity to worship him and bow down to him. He doesn't force it upon us. He's not that kind of king. Though we do know as Christians that there is a day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. But that time is not now. The time today is for us to make that decision to surrender our lives and give up control and to be like the wise men, to bow down and worship Jesus as the King of Kings. Now, I want to ask you this sincerely. Um, And even as I've been getting ready for this sermon it's, it's a pretty simple story. It's a pretty simple message. Um, the proclamation that Jesus is king. But the question is this. What, what is your real response to Jesus? Who is he in your life? Is he that, are you like Herod, where it's like there's opposition? Or are you like uh, priests and other people that are just, they know of Jesus. You've heard the story your whole life and you've just dismissed him. Where, where do you land? I want you to think about that honestly. I want you to just take that moment to just evaluate your life and be like, who is Jesus to me? Yeah, it's a good story. Yeah, I'll get to it later. Yeah, I went to church as a kid. Yeah, I'm watching this. I don't even know why because I'm not really into this sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But maybe, maybe right now in this moment, there are a couple of you and I'm speaking directly to you, that there's something different about right now. There's something different about Jesus in this moment where you're starting to sense, you're starting to wonder. And I just want to call that out, that that's the Holy Spirit speaking into your life. That's the Holy Spirit starting to help us better understand the authority and the kingship of Jesus. I remember when I was younger, um, I went to church my entire life. And I enjoyed it, and from quite a young age, I had a deep sense of God's presence in the world and my desire to be with him. But it wasn't easy. My life wasn't just, 
oh, I trust Jesus, no big deal. There were serious patches in my life where I was not interested. I struggled with it. I did not want to give up control. I didn't want to give up authority. I didn't want to uh, go the direction that God wanted of me. I wanted to go my own way. I remember when I was in grade 12, uh, I was attending youth group and I went to this big conference and it was in one of those environments, it was in that conference environment where I really heard the Lord ask me again because he'd been asking me this for years, Trent, do you want to be in ministry? Do you want to go and be a missionary? And I remember thinking to myself, that does not sound nice. That does not sound comfortable. That does not sound... Uh, financially viable. I had all of these fears and all of these uncertainties and I, I didn't want to. But as we worshiped, as this group, this thousands of people kind of singing, I just became more and more and more aware of the, uh, the power, the authority, the strength of the King of Kings. And not just his strength, but his compassion. And I could just picture Jesus looking down at all of us with a heart of love and desire. And I just remember looking up and thinking, all I actually want to do is, is make my God proud. I, I want to go after what he wants to go after. And I'm willing to go anywhere and do anything if it will make him happy, if it will please him. And I remember in tears going forward and, and praying, Lord, yes, I've been believing in you, but I've not been taking you seriously enough for you to be my actual Lord, for you to actually direct my steps. And I gave it all up. I surrendered my life to him. And in tears and in joy and in uncertainty, I said yes. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I do know I'm going to walk with you, Jesus. I trust you. And trusting Jesus is hard. We don't know where we're going to go. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I know that it's easier for us it's easier for me day in and day out to trust the plans that I feel God has for me and not trust God himself. And there's a lot of us right now that we, we would rather trust the plan. Like, you show me how this is all going to play out, I'll trust that. That's, that's not how saying yes to Jesus works. That's not how his kingdom works. His kingdom works as relationship. Trent, walk with me. And together, you will see what you're supposed to be up to. It's not going to be made perfectly clear, but what I'm asking you to do is to fully surrender. This is the challenge for us. It was hard for me. It's hard for any of us. And for me, in worship, uh, just like the wise men, when they bowed down, when they gave that gift of gold, when they acknowledged his kingship and when they worshiped, I can just picture them enjoying that more and more and more. That as they did that, their hearts were lifted, that they, their burdens were lifted, that they slowly became more and more excited about what was going on all around him. This king of kings, our lord of lords, friends, I just deeply desire right now for all of us to wrap our heads around that and for us to say yes to him. That's the simplicity of this message. He is the king of kings. Will you say yes to him? Will you bow down and worship him? Will you give him the honor and the reverence that is due his name? 
Because according to scripture, he is the king of kings. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the the king of all. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He heals the sick. He opens the eyes of the blind. He, He heals deaf ears. He strengthens the weak. He delivers the captives. He restores those who have been broken and are hurting. He gives shelter in our times of trouble. He is the light in this dark world. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lamb of God. He is the resurrection and the life. He is our King. His goodness is indescribable. His power, incomprehensible. His grace is irresistible. And at His name, all of darkness trembles. In His presence, demons flee. The devil hates Him. The devil couldn't stop Jesus. Death could not defeat him. The grave could not hold him. Jesus is that king. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Are you willing to let pride go to the side? Are you willing to give up your shame, your fear, and say yes to him? At all of our homes today, wherever we're at, In this moment, I believe that God might be breaking into your life and speaking a truth of his love and inviting you to lay it down, to stop opposing him. Don't dismiss him any longer. Say yes to him. Say yes to our king. I I would encourage you that in this time right now, this is less about me saying things to you and you being willing to respond to our king above all. In this moment, I just would ask that there are some of you, as Christians like myself, that you've been just doing life, and it's been hard, and it's been frustrating, and it's been so easy for you to just kind of dismiss him. I get that. It happens to all of us. But I would encourage you, perhaps right now, God is calling out to you that you'd be a little bit more Christ-centered. No, not a little bit. A lot more Christ-centered right now in this Christmas season. I would ask you, would you put your, maybe put your hand on your heart, wherever you're at, just to say, yes, that's, that's me. I, I, I need you again. I, I've been walking a different path, and I'm coming back to you right now, Lord. I need you. I've always needed you. You are my king, and I can't handle these burdens anymore. Please be in charge of my life. Would you do that? And maybe in your life, you've been the person who's always dismissed Jesus. You've always thought, you know what, that's, that's for my sister, that's for my brother, that's for my wife, that's for my kids, that, you know, that's for my parents. But you know what, I, I can do this. I can figure out life on my own. And yeah, it was cute when I was a kid, but, you know, times are tough and I got to solve my own problems. Right now, I would encourage you to think differently about who Jesus is. He's not just this meek and mild and tame baby Jesus, but he is powerful and has authority and desires to partner with you, to lead you into places and into freedom that you have never known. Pride is hard. It is hard to let go. It's hard to admit that you're not strong enough. But none of us are strong enough, and that is why we have a Savior. None of us are good enough That is why we have a Savior. And I would encourage you, if you are one of those people, 
Would you right now, maybe wherever you're at, just even also put your hand on your heart and say, you know what, Lord? My grandma used to talk about this. My spouse talks about this. And I have been digging in my heels and I'm tired. Lord, I surrender. I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I, I know I've screwed up, but you, you can heal me. You can save me. Because friends, that is what our Jesus does. That is what our King does. He doesn't just cause discipline, but he causes us to experience life and life to the fullest. We need him. We need his forgiveness. That is the gospel. That is the beauty of this story that we see throughout history going all the way up until this very present moment that Jesus is the king above all. He is the Lord of lords. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? I believe that for some of us, this is the first time you're actually deciding to say yes. And I would encourage you to not fear that moment, to say yes. And for several of us, that this is that moment we're saying, you know what? I am done with the bitterness. I am done with the shame. I'm done with the fear and the pride. I'm laying it down. It's too heavy. Jesus, I, I need you. And you bow down and you let him be the God who loves you. Don't fight his love. Don't fight it anymore. As we enter into this Christmas season, this is the greatest gift. The three kings gave these three gifts, but the true gift was Jesus. And he is always and has always been available to you. Right here, right now. In this moment, he is available to redeem, to forgive, to heal. Would you call out to him? Would you pray? Would you invite the, the one or the two people that are around you to just have this moment where you can have a conversation with the king of all because he listens and he cares? I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I would invite you to pray as well. And then after I finish praying, uh, we're going to have our kind of end of service slides. I would encourage you, uh, you can read those or you can just take those, you know, take that minute or whatever to continue this conversation. Don't leave this moment. If God is speaking to you, and I believe he's speaking to some of you, take this moment. Uh, send us a text. Uh, Pastor Matt and myself, Sylvia, we would love to be able to pray with you. Reach out to a friend and say, you know what, today's the day. I'm done. Jesus is king. I am not. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, you entered this world with such, in such simple, humble ways so that there could be a way made for all people. You are not just a king for the elite, for the intelligent, for the people that know, but you are a king for everyone. And Lord, right now, I just ask that you would help us say yes to you today afresh. For those who have been saying yes their whole lives, that we would say yes again. For those who have been resisting you their whole lives, that they would say yes to you today for the first time. Lord, clear our hearts and our minds of the clutter so that we can clearly see who you really are. Because Lord, you don't force your way upon us. You are kind and gentle. You're not going to you're not going to crash into our lives, but you are going to gently and lovingly knock at the door of our hearts. 
Lord, I ask that you help us to say yes to you. Jesus, we love you. We ask for your presence. We ask for your guidance in this Christmas season. Lord, thank you for the Advent candle of love because that is so true of who you are. You love us. You love us so much that you entered this world as a baby, innocent and vulnerable so that we could know you, so that we could find redemption through you. Amen. Friends, have that conversation that you need to have. I would encourage you. And I look forward to seeing you and the rest of us uh, together on Christmas Eve. God bless.